Welcome to Steeler Monday. Yes, I told you two months ago when this show started that this is not a sports... Well, it isn't a sports talk show. But I also told you that it's not not a sports show, which meant that I was going to try to make it a mixture of a lot of things, politics included, and there you'll have that today. And sports would be a part of that mixture, which you'll have today. And today is a perfect example, really, of, of why I like the concept and hope that it uh, continues to work. Uh, nobody else is doing it, so I hope you like it, too. And from the beginning, when we realized it wasn't a sports show, I wondered what I would do on Mondays following a Steeler game. Here we are. It's the first time. A Steeler game that matters, a, a real game, regular season game. So I figured we had, it, had to at least spend a few minutes talking about what happened yesterday in Cleveland. I called it Steeler Monday for 23 years when I was doing it on TV. That worked out pretty well. So, And I don't care if they're still using it. I'm going to use it anyway. So we'll, we'll call it the same thing here. But we're going to go uh, right from talking about the Steelers and the Browns into a discussion about how Pennsylvania might determine whether the Democrats take control of the House in November. How about that? Where else are you going to get that? And I felt for a long time that if you're a sports fan, you can chew gum and walk at the same time. So your mind is capable of handling sports and politics, you know, within five minutes of each other without having some kind of a breakdown. So we'll try that today. But I'm not interested in breaking the game down. It's pretty simple. Ben Roethlisberger stunk, and it's a good thing they were playing the Cleveland Browns. It's no more complicated than that. And the Browns should have gone for two, by the way, when they made it 21-20. They had the chance to actually win a game. You know, win a game for the Cleveland Browns. Three yards from the goal line. And instead, the Browns thought it was a good idea to play another 10-minute game against a team that just about nobody gave them a chance to win. They had they were given very little of any chance to beat the Steelers in Cleveland yesterday because that's what overtime is, you know. You start over. It's uh, it's another game. So if you were awake for the game that just ended in a tie, and if you saw the game, you knew that the Browns had no business tying the game in the first place, and it was ridiculous to expect them to beat the Steelers in a new 10-minute game, which is, again, what overtime is. They, of course, almost did, but almost doesn't count. And they were never going to get a better chance to win than trying one play to score from the three-yard line. After we take a break, we're going to talk about the game a little bit. But I have something better for you coming up. Uh, We're going to get the Cleveland perspective. Not just on the game yesterday. We'll get that. But on sports in Cleveland, the fans, how it's possible. And it is possible. It's a fact that the Browns are still the most popular team in Cleveland. They're all the losing. Despite not winning a championship in 54 years, the Browns, not the Cavs, not the Indians, are the most popular team in town. We'll talk to a guy who's covered sports there for 30 years. His name is Bud Shaw. You'll hear that Cleveland is every bit the football town that Pittsburgh is. And then in our second half hour, we will talk to the guy who knows more about Pennsylvania politics than any person on the planet about a story that's in the Wall Street Journal that says Pennsylvania could decide whether Donald Trump is impeached. But first, we're going to have Steeler Monday. So that's coming up in just uh, about, uh, well, a few seconds. Stick around. Obamacare, Trump care. 
ACA, Cobra, there are so many choices, but all seem to bring one word to mind expensive. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today. Fortunately, I know someone that has been on the forefront of health insurance for years, Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They help determine which plan is right for you and then expertly help you choose the best plan for your needs and then do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. Want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. Worried about the penalty? All of Marley Financial plans are penalty exempt because they know how to design the plans. Most of their clients save 30 to 60%, which can add up to several thousand dollars a year. Call Todd at Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. That's 724-884-1496 on the web at MarleyFG.com. You know the moment. The homework and dishes are done. Your family responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lie back. It's that end of day. Ah, That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-comforting orthopedic made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com Great beds, no bull. That is the Original Mattress Factory difference. Quality products plus factory direct prices equals... Great value. Mattresses that are designed with better materials. Mattresses that are hand-built in local factories. Mattresses that cost hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Now I know what you're thinking. This all sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it isn't. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made honestly priced. The one thing I loved about working with him, we got to pray with our patients and I could do that without feeling like I was going to get in trouble. At the medicine shops in Oakmont and Penn Hills, nurse practitioner Joyce Gibb continues the legacy of pharmacist, mentor, and friend Joe DiMedio. And many people you cannot cure them or make them truly get well if they have something down deep that they haven't ever addressed. Stress affects your whole body. Like when I get stressed, I have between my shoulder blades, my muscles get tight. Some people it's GI. Some people it can be a rash. Some people, their immune system is down. So we address that too. But you have to address the root causing that stress for them to truly heal. One of the things I'm very humbled by is that many of the people that Joe and I saw together, they're still coming to see me. And I just really appreciate that. And I'm going to try to have the same empathy and love and caring that he had. I just love it. It's my dream job. It's what I've always wanted to do. Every day's different because not everybody's the same. Call for a consultation today. 888-865-9595. Eating, working, living pain-free. These are things many of us take for granted. But for many adults with disabilities who are elderly or have serious medical issues, dental care is simply unaffordable. Dental Lifeline Network is looking for dentists who can change this. DLN is asking dentists and their teams to volunteer to just see one of the many patients in need. You can literally change a life. When you volunteer with DLN's donated dental services program to see one, you treat a pre-qualified patient in your office at your convenience. We handle the details so you can focus on the care. Lack of dental care can lead to the inability to have life-saving surgery, eat or contribute to our community. If you are a dentist or know a dentist, please share this message. Will you see one? Visit willyouseeone.org to help change one life in your community today. 
Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, most people around here, including uh, most of the media, uh, like to make fun of Cleveland and root for their sports teams to fail. I've been rooting for the Browns to get better since they came back into the NFL in 1999 because I love the rivalry and I enjoyed covering those games. And after what happened yesterday, I wanted to get a Cleveland perspective on what kind of a sports town it is up there and what's going on up there and also what it's like to cover sports there. Bud Shaw has been writing about Cleveland sports since the early 90s. He joins us now. Thanks for being here, Bud. Hey, great to be with you, John. So first, uh, I just want a little bit on yesterday's game. Uh, people are having a lot of fun with how the uh, how ending the losing streak without a win is so Cleveland Browns. How's it playing up there? Same way, same way. You know, we have a uh, an expression here, OIC, which means only in Cleveland. So um, that kind of what happened yesterday sort of fit that fit the uh, definition of that. Um, I think on one hand, when you look at where the Browns, and some people are able to look at it this way, when they look at where the Browns have been for the past two seasons, uh, and the fact that they were down 21-7 to in that game, this, this team did show them a little something that they haven't seen, which is a little resiliency. And, mm-hmm. and there hasn't been much of that the last two years. So that's playing okay with some people. They feel like uh, you know, maybe they're at least on the right track. Well, I, I tweeted before the extra point to tie at 21-21 that I would have gone for two. Did anybody ever consider that? Because I, I, I think it's a, it's a no-brainer to me, but I was proven right, I guess, because they, well, they might have lost if they would have gone for two. But Yeah, you know, if, if, if there was a different head coach here and he had kind of a clean slate, you know, maybe that would have entered into his thinking. But this guy here, Hugh Jackson, is so desperate now to win anything, you know, after starting one and thirty one in its first two seasons, I think he just felt like if if they were able to tie it, they would have the momentum. If it did, you know, happen to go into overtime, they would you know, they would be the team that maybe was on the upper rise. As it turned out, I think they managed about sixteen total yards offense in yeah. the overtime. See, which, when when it comes down to that, I'd always go for two because here here's what happens that here's what you have. What I think they put it on the two or the three, I can never remember. It's a three, right? They yeah. put it on the three yard line. So uh you need to get in from the three yard line. Um I mean that's not easy, but you know, that's what you gotta do. In order to win an overtime, you are you have to probably win the toss or at least win the toss you have to either put it this way, you win the toss and then you have to get a touchdown. Which you know the Browns didn't show any uh, really any any reason for why you would have confidence that they would do that, or you can get a field goal and then kick off again and then hold the Steelers to uh, at le- nothing. But if they get a field goal, you're still tied. Uh, all of that stuff that has to happen in a game that was so wild with rain and everything that's going on, you're standing there looking at the at the win three yards away. At some point in the overtime, you're gonna have you're gonna have a third and three. You're gonna have a fourth and three. You know what I mean? You're gonna have to. Yeah. There's gonna and, be a play you have to make. Then, right? Yeah. 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 Gonna... Uh, no, I get it. I think it is a lot more complicated in overtime. I just think uh, Hugh Jackson's tolerance for being second guessed is real high <laughs> <Okay>. right now. <laughs> I, think, After seven, I really do yeah. believe it comes down to that. You know, yeah. Because I think he knows that even though the owners kind of sided with him at the toward the end of last year and fired the uh, president of football operations, Sashi Brown, and kept Hugh, 
I think he knows that there's a new sheriff in town in mm-hmm. John Dorsey, who is the GM, and that he better impress Dorsey at some point this year with wins and losses, or Dorsey's the one that's going to be walking into the owner and saying, all right, listen, I've got a list of candidates here. Let's talk about it. Okay, we're talking to Bud Shaw. He covered uh, the Cleveland sports for uh, almost 30 years, and he um, is now working for WKYC up there in Cleveland. And I'm wondering, uh, Bud, you were in Cleveland for the Browns leaving and coming back, the Indians losing in the World Series, getting there in the first place was a pretty big story, and the LeBron James drama that everybody knows about. And those stories, uh, they're a writer's dream. But are the Browns still the biggest story in Cleveland? Yeah, without a question. That's amazing. Um, You know, I think that while LeBron was here and they were chasing titles, at least while people felt that they, you know, they had a chance, and when they did it in 2016, I think they, you know, they kind of climbed above where the Browns were. Of course, the Browns at that time were, you know, finishing a 1-15 in season on their way to a 0-16 season. But had the Browns even been, uh, you know, mediocre during those years, I'm still not sure that LeBron and the Cavs, you know, would have uh, usurped them, you know. I have a number of people that I live around here and, you know, we're native Clevelanders tell me that when the Cavs won that championship that, yeah, it was nice, it was good to see a, the, a parade in downtown, but that it wouldn't mean anywhere near as much to them as to see the Browns go to a Super Bowl. See, that's why I wanted to have you here on the show, Bud, because I, I don't think people in Pittsburgh uh, are might, would be able to grasp what you just said uh, all that well. That the Browns, as bad as they've been since, first of all, they left town. Okay, they just left. <laughs> then they came back, and they and everybody knows how bad they've been. But the city just loves that team, and uh, it's still the team in Cleveland, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's a new uh, uh, a new respect for what the Indians are doing. There was a period where ownership there was called, you know, cheap at every turn. Mm-hmm. But the here. fact that they've the fact that they've gotten into the into the World Series recently, and uh, and and you know probably should have won that World Series, but they didn't, um, and will have went won another division title with a good chance of going back you know deep into October. I think there's a there is a new respect for them, but it, it's a really hard thing to explain. It, it, it's a real sore point with people in that Indians organization that they've. They've had what some consider one of the more one of the model franchises in baseball, and yet the the attention in this town uh, is riveted on this team that can't get out of its own way. I mean, John, you know the the record in season openers since 1999 improved yesterday by not winning. <laughs> they are now one eighteen and one in season openers. So you can imagine how many of those years started with some real enthusiasm and, and optimism about what they had, what people had seen in the preseason with new quarterbacks and new coaches coming and going. And yet here we are almost 20 years later or exactly 20 years later with them having won one season opener. And it's been 53 years, I believe 54 years since the Browns won a championship. That's right. Yep. 1964 and, um, That's just mind-boggling. You know, one of the you know one of the regrets in in my time in Cleveland is that my time didn't start earlier because I've only heard the stories of what how much fun this town was in in you know the mid to late '80s with Kosar and uh, Marty Schottenheimer and and those guys. Um, mm-hmm. By the time I got here, Bill Belichick was a first year head coach, you know, who ran into some real issues with this move and. 
couldn't really keep that team together in 95 after having an 11-5 and season in 94. But that that's it. I mean, I look back and I see that season with Belichick in 94 where they were 11-5, and um, a year, one year under Butch Davis when they went uh, 9-7 and and made the playoffs and lost to Pittsburgh. Should have beaten and the another, Steelers. Uh, yeah, and another year under Romeo Cornell when they went 10-6 and and missed the playoffs. And that's it. Well, and and the thing is, fifty four years. There's there aren't many. Pe- I mean, I'm old enough to remember it. And what pe- for people who aren't uh, the 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 last time the Browns won a championship, the quarterback was Bill Nelson, a guy who I went to see at Pitt Stadium and who got run out of Pittsburgh, booed out of <laughs> Pittsburgh, and he went over to Cleveland. That's the way it used to be. That's what happened. That's the way the Brown- the Steelers were the Browns before the Browns were the Browns. Yeah, and they yeah, ran a, a guy out of town, and he that. wins a championship 125 miles up the road. That's the way things used to go for the Steelers. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, you know, one of the funny sidelights to this season is that you know Bud Light put these uh, these padlock beer coolers around yeah, town, yeah, and they're they're only to be open when the Browns win their first game. So <laughs> people were crowding around these things yesterday. <laughs> you know, as the as the field goal kicker is lining up and. Uh, and only to realize that they're not getting uh, their thirst quenched in, in yet another way. Well, you know, it's funny because they, they played a pretty good team yesterday, the Browns did. The Steelers, a lot, of, a lot of people were picking the Steelers to go to the Super Bowl, and they played them to a tie. I mean, it was a pouring down rain and everything that was going on there, and it was a crazy game. But uh, they played the Steelers to a tie, and they're going to play lesser teams than the Steelers down the road. they got to win one somewhere, don't they? Yeah, you would think so. Uh, now, the defense isn't going to turn the ball over to the offense six times no. in many games this year. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are a couple of, of things that defensively I think that they've done. One is get Miles Garrett healthy. I mean, I don't know if you watched him yesterday. Yeah, he's amazing. The, guy, the guy's, uh, you know, he, he'll probably end up coming close to leading the league in sacks if he stays healthy. They added the kid from Ohio State as a cornerback, Denzel Ward. Uh, Antonio Brown caught a touchdown on him yesterday, but it wasn't for lack of coverage. So mm-hmm. I think they've improved themselves defensively to where they're going to give this offense more and more chances of, of winning, especially against lesser teams. And then it's a matter of whether Tyrod Taylor you know, can be the guy who helped the Bills get to a playoff last year or the guy that the Bills benched along the way last year. So... Um, I don't know that you should ever expect too much from Tyrod Taylor, but I think people do have some hope that he can be at least a place setting here, you know, a placeholder until Baker Mayfield's ready to play. And what's the relationship between the Browns and the Cleveland media like? Well, it's it's interesting and it's it's complicated. You know, it's uh, um, clearly Hugh Jackson is a guy who most media people will say, what a nice you know, what a nice guy. He's accommodating. He answers questions. At the same time, questioning whether he's the head coach who can who can lead this turnaround. It, there hasn't been any evidence of that. So I think because there's a new regime that comes in here every couple of years, um, it, it's not quite as bad as you would think because, the you know, the animosities haven't had a chance to, uh, to really settle in and brew too much because there's always a new GM and a new head coach and a new this and that. Um, the owner is not getting a whole lot of uh, uh, benefit of the doubt from the fans these days, and, and he shouldn't. And since he took over, they've had four head coaches, I believe, and um, and no winning seasons, and, and one of the two 
uh, winless seasons that we've seen in the in the last forty or fifty years in the league. So, um, for good reason, there's a lot of doubt that Jimmy Haslam's going to be the guy that knows how to turn this around. And he was with the Steelers. Yeah, he. You know, I've talked to him about that, and and uh, I think he wore that sort of as a as a badge of honor when he came into town. Um, but as soon as he was questioned about why they weren't being successful, he backed off and said, "Well, listen, I was a minority owner. I was just there <laughs> yeah. for games. It's, yeah. it's not like they let me into their organizational <laughs> meetings, you know." So, yeah. I mean, that you know, what they tried a couple of years ago was you know outside the box thinking that some people who are more pro football focused type people that are into the analytics of it applauded and said, well, they've tried other things and they, so now they're going to go heavy analytics. And that's when they brought in Sashi Brown. They brought in Paul D. Podesta, you know, who uh, some people will probably remember from the Oakland A's money ball thing. Um, but yet they tore the roster down to such bare bones with so many young players that, you know, Brown got himself fired because of it. Wow. So, you know, for some reason, Cubs fans had the image for a long time of being cute. You know, they, they, they showed up at Wrigley Field, even though the team was terrible, hadn't won in 100 years. That always made me want to puke. But, but Cleveland fans, especially Browns fans, never seem to get to that point. I mean, nobody considers them like, oh, aren't they wonderful? They stick with the team. They're still maniacs. No. And, you know, they're, I don't think it's ever reached that point yet. They're not lovable yet, are they? No, for sure. And in fact, I think a lot of people look at them as just lemmings. You know, they keep lining up and wearing, <laughs> yeah. you know, wearing dog masks. I think they're great bars. fans, by the way. I do, I do too. But I think the perception of them is, you know, boy, they'll swallow anything in that town. How can you, how can you be loyal after so many years of ineptness? And the fact is, there, there's no great way to explain it. And I tell some people what I, that I talk to in the Indians organization about this, who are you know, sometimes greatly offended by the the attention we pay as a media to the Cleveland Browns at the expense of what they think we should pay to the to the uh, Cleveland Indians. And I just tell them, it, look, there's no way to explain that this is just a dyed-in-the-wool football town, and it's always going to be this way. I don't think it's ever going to change. You know what, I, and I'll give you my theory. One of the reasons why that is the case is because most people who live in Cleveland have always lived in Cleveland. People don't move there that often. It's like True. Pittsburgh, same way. So yep. their grandparents, parents, they, 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 they at least were around when the Browns were good. So there's still some, some, uh, some, something left of the, of the Browns' glory years. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think it's... Uh if people aren't old enough to have lived through it or don't know, you know, that Jim Brown and Lou Groza and Dante Lavelli and guys like that, they've at least heard stories from their parents or grandparents or whatever. And they've been indoctrinated into believing that this not, you know, they don't have to believe it. This was one of the iconic franchises back then and certainly has fallen on some really terrible times. Um, but I've, you know, I, I kidded after, I t- took a buyout from Cleveland.com in May and then came back to work a few months later with WKYC. And, and I sort of kid pe- people who've asked me about it. And I say, well, I didn't want to retire and, and finally find out that the Browns were going to have a playoff season. You know? <laughs> Got to see that. I, yeah. My, yeah, yeah. I might not have to worry about that this season, but, you know, who knows, right? Right. You, you keep that optimism uh, is, is still there 
especially this early in the year until we, we see uh, enough evidence to, to say it shouldn't be. Hey, Bud, I really appreciate you being on. Great perspective. Exactly what I wanted the people here in Pittsburgh to hear, different from all the stuff about the Steelers. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, John. Okay. That's Bud Shaw, longtime columnist up in Cleveland. He knows, and now you know, what it's like to be a Cleveland sports fan, and you should be happy, probably, that you're not one. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. East Coast residents are nervously eyeing Hurricane Florence. South Carolina Governor Edwin McMaster says Florence is expected to be a major storm for the entire state. We are expecting more wind than we had with Hugo and more water than we had with Matthew. And he says Florence is expected to cause problems from the Piedmont to the Low Country. We got the hurricane and the surge, which may be as high as 10 feet, maybe more, maybe less, we don't know, coming at us uh, from the ocean. And then after that, we have water coming down, flooding us. So we, we're in for a real episode here. And what we're emphasizing, we want everybody to be prepared. Governors from South Carolina to Maryland have declared states of emergency. On Wall Street, the Dow down by 59 points, but the Nasdaq rose 21. The S&P advanced five, oil down 21 cents to 67.54 a barrel. This is SRN News. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. It's probably been about 10 years ago. I had quite a few credit cards. The interest on the cards was really high. I was making the minimum payments, but barely. And it was just getting to be too much, so I called Trinity. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976 to talk to a certified counselor. They met with me, and they were able to get all of my credit cards in one lower payment. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. They did help me learn how to manage my money. Now, you know, we have a house, and we're doing a lot better. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. My name is Holly, and I am debt-free for keeps. 1-800-990-6976. Dennis Prager explains the new religion in America. All the isms, social activism, Marxism, socialism, humanism, environmentalism, feminism, they're all isms. They are all religions. They fill the vacuum that past beliefs had. The obvious one being, for most Americans, Christianity. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right before Michael Medved at 3 on AM 1250. The Answer. The Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber invites you to a taste of cranberry. Monday, September 24th, over 20 of your favorite local eateries and chains converge on the Doubletree by Hilton and Cranberry with unlimited samples from 5 to 8 p.m. Enjoy great food, entertainment, kids zone, and prizes. Tickets are available now at pghnorthchamber.com. Don't miss a taste of cranberry Monday, September 24th at the Doubletree by Hilton and Cranberry. Visit pghnorthchamber.com. Despite the impression left yet again by the American Lung Association. Greater Pittsburgh's air quality is not getting worse. 
As a recent study by the Allegheny Institute for Public Policy shows, the myth persists because the association keeps cherry-picking the facts and some of the media take its claims as an article of faith. Learn more about why this smear campaign is unjustified and does not reflect the progress the area has made in improving its air quality at AlleghenyInstitute.org. We challenge conventional thinking every day. From coast to coast, from sea to shining sea, it's a beautiful country out there. Discover it all in a new RV from Camping World, America's number one RV dealer. At your local Camping World, you'll find over 350 new RVs in stock, an ever-changing selection from America's top brands, including favorites like Coleman and Mallard of every class and size, all at wholesale prices. Say hello to a whole new world. Visit CampingWorldOfPittsburgh.com. He can smell you from half a mile away, here with pinpoint accuracy, and detect the slightest motion with a 310-degree field of vision. But with an Oak Ridge hunting blind from Yoder's Backyard Structures, that deer will never know you're there. Solid, silent, scent-controlled, satisfaction guaranteed. This is one perch you won't fall out of. And with Yoder's, delivered and set up free of charge. Take your hunt to a whole new level at yodersbackyard.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Still looking at flooding closing down several areas. Mon Warfet shut down and also the 10th Street Bypass as well as the 279 ramps to the 10th Street Bypass. Also inbound Parkway East, that's shut down underwater Grant Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. And you can expect delays on the outbound Parkway East from Bates Street to Edgewood Swiss Vale. 48 in Monroeville, that's shut down with a landslide between 130 and Macbeth Drive. I'm Jenny Robinson on AM 1250, The Answer. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. Mainly cloudy and muggy through the evening hours tonight with a bit of rain and drizzle. And then it will tend to dry out a bit overnight. Still a lot of lingering clouds, a low down to 57. During the day for tomorrow, clouds will break forth some sunshine with a high of 73. Mostly cloudy tomorrow night, low 61. And still a good deal of clouds for Wednesday with a spotty shower. We'll see high Wednesday around 78. I'm meteorologist Brian Thompson on AM 1250, The Answer. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, the midterm elections are less than two months away, and depending on where you look or what you watch, it's either going to be a blue wave and the Democrats will take control of the House and get right into impeaching Donald Trump, or everybody's going to be wrong the same way everybody was wrong about Hillary Clinton and the Republicans are going to retain control. Uh, The Wall Street Journal has a piece that says Pennsylvania could be where the Democrats take control, and Dr. Terry Madonna is the director for politics and public affairs at Franklin Marshall College, probably knows more about Pennsylvania politics than anybody on the planet. And he's with us now. Thanks for being here, Terry. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So, uh, Terry, do you agree that Pennsylvania will determine whether Democrats take the House in November? Well, I think it's one of uh, three or four states. There's no doubt about it. We've got New York. You've got Minnesota. You have uh, California. There are a handful of states where, for a variety of reasons, they're going to play a larger role than many other states simply because of the nature of the competitive seats. And I'm going to repeat that. It's all about the competitive seat. And here, uh, here it looks like the Democrats in Pennsylvania could pick up somewhere between three and five seats. And that's, uh, that, that's, a, big, that's a big number? 
I mean, you oh, know, sure. That, that's well, think the, of it this way. In 2011, when the boundary lines for the congressional districts were redrawn in 18, in 19, you see, I'm a historian. You see where I am. Right. 1811. I'm back in 1811 <laughs> instead of 2011. The Republicans captured 13 of our 18 congressional districts, 13 Republicans, five Democrats in the subsequent elections. 2012, 2014, 2016, the Republicans held that 13 to 5 edge. Last January, we had, you know, map, a map declared unconstitutional that legislative leaders sent to, uh, you know, presented to the courts, the new district, and eventually the state Supreme Court created a new map, and the new map definitely advantages the Democrats, particularly down in the Philadelphia suburbs, where the Democrats are likely to pick up three seats. There's another very hotly contested election out in western Pennsylvania, as all of your uh, listeners well know. Uh, Keith Rothfuss is the incumbent, and Connor Lamb is challenging Rothfuss in the newly created 17th Congressional District. And um, right now, is that a dead heat? Well, I mean, uh, the, the public polls show Lamb ahead that I've seen, but it, the Rothfuss people say they're just getting their voters motivated. You know, we'll have to see. Uh, as you pointed out, we're in one of those strange environments where Democrats are more motivated to vote, and it looks like what I call a blue wave, a light blue wave, 2010, we had exactly the reverse. We had the Tea Party or the or the red wave, and the Republicans picked up seats all over the place in the 2010 election. They won the governorship with Tom Corbett. They took over the State House of Representatives in Harrisburg. They took over the House of Representatives in Washington. This looks like the reverse. The Democrats are more likely than not, notice the way I phrased that, more likely than not to pick up the 23 seats to take control of the House of Representatives. Wow. Now, uh, the Wall Street Journal piece uh, says nine of 18 House seats could change parties this year. How often, if ever, have you seen that much of a turnover? Well, let's look at it this way. In 2010, again, in the red wave, and I hope you're seated, <laughs> President Obama party, the Democratic Party, lost 63 seats in the House. Wow. In 1994, when Bill Clinton was president, the Democrats lost 54 seats. When Ronald Reagan was president in 1982, I think the Republicans lost 26, 27 seats. So, you know, when you've got, uh, and let's be candid about this, a president that's not popular, mm -hmm. when you have one party with whose voters are more enthusiastic than the other party, and that's the Democrats right now. Again, the reverse of what we saw. And even in 2014, when there was a modest red wave, big red wave in 2010, and all the other signs that we see look like a good Democratic year. What are they? Number one, the Democrats have fielded a plethora of candidates, far more than Republicans in the primaries that have been held. Number two, Democratic voters are 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 points more enthusiastic about voting this year. 
So you begin to see the telltale sign that it's a good year for the Democrats are there. It's just simply out there in the political world. And is it all about the suburbs? Well, it's about, no, yeah, well, there's three seats down in the Philly suburbs, and then there's a seat up in uh, the 7th Congressional District up in the Lehigh Valley, and that would be Lehigh, Northampton, and the southern part of Monroe. That's more of a suburban seat, I agree. And then you get out in the 14th a district you know well, Keith Rothbush, Connor Lamb. Mm-hmm. That has a good bit of rural Pennsylvania in it. And I mean, who knows what else is likely to occur in this environment? Could you rule out and upset somewhere else? Absolutely not. Well, the Democrats, remember, are only defending five seats. It's yeah. not, and three of them, well, let's see, one of them's in Pittsburgh, and three of them are in Philadelphia, and mostly in the Philadelphia city proper, but in, partly in the suburbs. And the other one's up in the northeastern part of our state in uh, Lackawanna County and in some of the smaller counties up in the northeast. We're talking to Terry Madonna. He's the director for politics and public affairs at Franklin and Marshall College and uh, knows Pennsylvania as well as anybody when it comes to politics. And um, I'm just wondering, you know, you're talking about all these signs that are pointing toward a Democrat uh, blue wave. How many of those same signs existed for Hillary Clinton in 2016 in, yeah. the, in this state? Yeah, well, I don't think there's any doubt that here's, here's the big difference. Back in 2016, the Republican voters were far more motivated than they are now. And here's the voters that we're talking about. We're talking about voters that live in rural and small towns. We're talking about voters out where you live in Washington and Westmoreland and Fayette and Green and Cambria and the old mining and milltown counties. Donald Trump carried our state by 44,000 votes because he motivated those voters in ways that they had not been voted before. All of those counties that I just mentioned have a Democratic voter registration edge, and all of them went for Trump big time, largely because the working men and women in those out in those districts even though many of them maintain Democratic voter registration edges, have been moving away from the Democrats for a decade or so. Large, sometimes it's about abortion. Sometimes it's about the Democratic Party's failure to do anything to help folks in the old mining and mill towns. Nothing to do with trade, nothing to do with tariffs. And Trump developed a Rust Belt strategy that went after those voters to bring back manufacturing jobs. He talked about steel. He talked about coal. He talked about other aspects of the old industrial revolution. And what happened was Trump carried our state and other states because the large number of voters in the last 10 days that made up their mind or changed their mind, and Trump won the overwhelming majority of them. And that's why he carried Pennsylvania. But Terry, did he not follow through on the promises he made to those voters? And is it up to him now and up to the Republicans to convince them that they have to do it again? Oh, listen, I I think he kept his promise. Number one, look what happened. He wanted to get rid of NAFTA and the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Well, what happened to NAFTA? It's being renegotiated. The word out of Washington is they're close to a deal with the Mexican government. They're not doing so well with the Canadian government, but there's some optimism. What did Donald Trump do, in his opinion, to stop the bad situation with steel and aluminum. He put a tariff on both of them, right? And he has threatened China and other countries with other tariffs. So I don't think there's any doubt that Trump has kept his word to the folks 
in Manesson and Johnstown, you get it, and Erie and other places yeah. where he campaigned, he kept his word. Well, but I guess I'm, what I'm wondering is if, if he – it's not that often that, a, that it's so obvious that a politician kept his promise. And, you know, looking at what the economy is doing and the things you just mentioned there, what would, would, would that make them as motivated well, now as they were two years ago? The short answer is no. Okay. They are not as motivated. They are not as motivated, and the Democrats are in opposition to Trump. Okay. And so in, the, in the poll that we did last week, here, here, uh, actually it's almost 10 days ago now. Time, time is flying by. Right. Here. Here's what we found. When we asked people, when, when we asked voters why they were casting a vote this year, and a huge percentage of Democrats and Republicans gave us the same answer. What was the answer? It had to do with Trump. For Democrats, they were voting because they opposed Trump and wanted to be sure their party took over Congress. For Republicans, it was exactly the reverse. They're voting because they want to keep, because they like Trump and support Trump, and they want to make sure that Republicans hold on to particularly the House of Representatives. The difference is the motivation that Democrats have to oppose Trump is stronger at this point. Mm-hmm. Remember, the president's job performance nationally has fallen a couple points in the last two weeks. And there's a question that we ask called the generic ballot question. If the election were held today, would you vote for a Democrat for Congress or a Republican for Congress? And the Democrats have a nine point edge in our state. Nationally, they have a seven point edge. And it all has to do with the opposition to Trump and the enthusiasm that Democrats have that Republicans are lacking. Last point. If you go out and look at what Republican leaders are now talking about, it's go home, they're telling their office holders. Get your voters out to vote. Get the Republican base, particularly the working men and women, get them riled up. You get it. That's the message that they now have. Understanding it won't be won or lost on what happens to independents. It will be won or lost based on whether or not the Republicans can gin up the vote that the Democrats now have an edge on. But I guess I'm, I'm, I'm confused by, by the fact that, you know, you tell me that the math uh, favors the Republicans. Uh, right. I mean, I'm sorry, the math favors, favored the Democrats, Democrats. But, but the Republicans overcame that in 16. And Yeah, but they did that only because of the excitement the voters had Donald Trump. Yeah, but you you just gave me numbers about Republicans' motivation and Democrats' motivation. Wasn't it right Democrat? Now, right now. Yeah, but wasn't it Democrats who voted Republican, and that's why Trump won? Well, there were a fair number of Democrats in our state that did that out in the again out where you live, uh-huh. and conversely up in. I mean, Donald Trump only lost of all places Lackawanna County by three thousand votes. Lackawanna County, and that's a working person's. Uh, district. Luzerne County, right next to it. That's the old anthracite coal region. Donald Trump uh, won Luzerne County. I mean, he largely won. Donald Trump in Pennsylvania carried 23 counties by 69-70% of the vote. And that was because of the issue that he worked on generally framed as the Rust Belt strategy. Rust Belt strategy. Going after that group of voters. Hillary Clinton did quite well in Philadelphia and the four Philly suburbs. She carried them. If you just look at that vote, you said she won. You would have thought she would have carried our state 
because of the size of those five counties. But the fact of the matter was Donald Trump ginned up the base of voters that continue to support him. Here's something else to think about. Donald Trump, uh, up until last week now, the polls may show some change, has held on to 82, 85, 88 percent of Republicans say they approve the job Donald Trump's doing. The percentage of Democrats is in single digits. Six, seven, eight, only six, seven, eight, nine percent of Democrats approve the job. That's how polarized wow. and divided we are. Hey, Terry. It's a big difference. Hey, Terry, I'm, I'm out of time. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Terry Madonna, thank my, you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, and we'll be right back. Getting close to retirement? Experienced a nice Trumponomics bump in your portfolio? Well, we know the market goes up, and unfortunately, we also know it goes down. Don't risk your retirement to market whims. Learn how you can lock in those gains today by spending time with the team at Marley Financial. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial can help you design a retirement plan that is bulletproof against the market's ups and downs. The team at Marley Financial uses a multitude of different techniques to make sure that you have a retirement plan that is tax-free stable, and worry-free. Oh, and speaking of taxes, did you know that Marley Financial can handle that too? With all the changes in the tax laws, be sure you're taking advantage of the best possible deduction and make sure you know what adjustments to make for your overall financial picture going forward. Call today for a no-obligation consultation to see just how, for 25 years, the clients at Marley Financial have never had a retirement plan fail. Call 724-884-1496 today. 724-884-1496. 1496 or visit them at marleyfg.com god made our bodies complex it's like peeling back the layers of an onion if you're not well yet then you just keep thinking what else can that be at the medicine shop in oakmont and penn hills nurse practitioner joyce gibb continues to peel back the layers to better health with solutions like high quality nutraceuticals just as an example you can't make vitamin c and that's a great detoxification agent it helps boost your immune system vitamin d it hits over 900 parts of your dna and many people in pittsburgh since we don't live in florida doesn't have the sun exposure and i've only seen one person that had a normal vitamin d level range on the lab is 30 to 100 our goals would be 50 to 70 or 80 almost everybody needs vitamin d supplementation Give your body what it needs on the road to better health with high-quality nutraceuticals from The Medicine Shop. Call for a consultation today, 888-865-9595. The Medicine Shop, 888-865-9595. You know the moment. The workday is over. Your daily responsibilities have been met. The shoes slip off and you lie back. It's that end of day. Ah. That's the relief you'll feel when you rest on the body-soothing serenity made locally at the Original Mattress Factory. Relief from middleman markups and a hard day's work. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made. Honestly priced. OriginalMattress.com Did you know that when you buy a mattress from a retail store, that mattress is being sold for the second time? What do I mean? Well, the manufacturer sells the mattress to the retailer, who in turn sells it to you with costs and markups for both parties. At the Original Mattress Factory, we have our own factory right here at our store. So the mattress you buy is being sold for the first and only time. That's why our prices are hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Stop by one of our factory locations 
or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see for yourself. Most executors don't want the job, quite frankly. Attorney Michelle Conti, host of Conti's Law on the importance of proper estate administration. There's a lot of steps that go into settling an estate, and if they don't get it right, not knowing the law isn't a defense to why you didn't do it correctly in the first place. When you pass without appropriate planning, it can be very costly. We see more fractions within families when death and money are involved. If you don't plan appropriately, it's very common. Siblings don't speak anymore. We act as the mediator for that executor to understand the law. We sit down and go through what probate looks like. Once we go through those steps, we'll assist with getting all of the legal documents, getting you sworn in with the local court, and starting that probate process. And then we will act as the mediator with the beneficiaries and the executor. Hear more on Conti's Law, Sunday morning. Morning at 8.30, here on The Answer. For immediate help, visit ContiLawPGH.com. You're listening to The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Okay, I want to tell you about a couple of things. Uh, first of all, tomorrow night at 5.30, uh, just lined up a guest to talk about The Creepy Line. It's a documentary, and um, it's about how Google um, kind of manipulates people, you know, and can affect elections by how they send people to certain places when they're looking for certain information and how that can influence the way they vote. And I'm going to have the guy on whose information is the basis for that documentary. And uh, he's Dr. Epstein. He will be here at 530 tomorrow night. I also want to tell you about the uh, Battleground Talkers Tour. It's coming up at Montour Heights Country Club. That's on October 22nd. Um, going to be there to talk about what's happening with this uh well, we're going to be within just about two weeks of the um, the 2018 uh, midterms and in November at that point. And uh, people like Hugh Hewitt, Michael Medved, and Dennis Prager will be there in person. And they will be talking about what's coming up in that election in November. And you're only going to be a couple of weeks away, so they'll be uh, very well equipped to talk about it. I'm going to be there also. I think they're planning to put me at the little kids' table. But I, I, I will be there with those giants, Hugh Hewitt, Michael Medved, and Dennis Prager. I also wanted to mention that Lamar, what Lamar Jackson did. He's a quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he was a number one draft pick and signed for like, I don't know, $5 million. And so... He, uh, back when he was a sophomore at Louisville, a great player. I really like him. I'm rooting for him to do well because I like watching him play. But um, back when he was a sophomore, he made a, 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 an iconic play for Louisville. He hurdled a tackler and went on to score a touchdown. I forget who they were playing against. And that helped him win the Heisman Trophy that year. If you go back and look at the video, it's, I mean, it's a, a nice, a great athletic play, but it's not the greatest thing you've ever seen. So Lamar, when he got his money, he decided to, you know, getting a picture of that blown up, maybe the size of his house or something, wasn't enough to massage his ego enough. So he went out and got himself a chain with a figure of a football player looking like he's hurtling. Aaron, our producer, said he looks like he's going to the bathroom, but that you can look, you can judge for yourself. Uh, but he paid a hundred thousand dollars for it. It's made out of gold and diamonds. Hundred thousand dollars for a necklace. I guess he's going to wear it around his neck. It's unbelievably ugly. Um, but it reminds me of something uh, Frank O'Harris once said, and, and still does. Frank O'Harris does not wear jewelry. And he does it because a long time ago, 
He thought he needed to send a message to the young athletes who get paid big money and waste it on stupid things like $100,000 necklaces depicting a play they made in college or $50,000 earrings or a $50,000 bracelet. So uh, Franco Harris needs to get Lamar Jackson aside, not that he would listen to him, $100,000 for what may be the ugliest necklace in the history of humanity. We'll talk about the creepy line tomorrow and other stuff right here on the John Stoggerwald Show, AM 1250, The Answer. See you tomorrow. The John Stoggerwald Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.